Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So we start, as we do every week, with a random question. Uh, Alice, do you like video games? And what was the first video game you owned and played? So I do like video games. And I've actually only recently kind of just got back into them. And I'm sort of like, you know, extending my horizons in terms of video games. My video gaming career is uh, mostly (laughs) focused and centred around Sonic. So when I was younger, it was all Sonic. It was Sonic, this Sonic, that Sonic, everything. And then as that sort of developed, that went 3D and, you know, the controllers got a bit more complex and I just kind of, I, I wasn't sharp enough, I think, to kind of keep up with the 3D and the, the sort of advancements of it. So I just sort of then just kind of stopped, really. Uh, but the first video game I ever owned, so I can't remember what it was called, but there were ducks. It was on the Master System. Ducks would fly across the screen and you had to shoot them. And you had a plastic gun that you plugged in that was oh, like, like the controller. Uh, proper so old school du- arcade style. Yeah, yeah, proper yeah. like that. So I, get, I, fi- I think it's called like Duck Hunt or <laughs> Shoot the Duck or something. <laughs> but that was the first one. I've, I've vivid memories of playing that like way back when. But then after that, it was like Son. I was hot on the Sonic bandwagon for a long time. Still am, still am. What about you? You were gay? A little bit, not not really, not like 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 casually every now and then I might play like a Batman game or some sort of comic book game or a football game, football manager, that kind of thing. I was never Sonic. I was very much a PlayStation guy, so I was Crash Bandicoot. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. In fact, Sonic of all the kind of well-known um, mascots, if you like, like your Sonics and your Mario's and, and Donkey Kong's and all that. Sonic's probably the one I know the least about because I was always Crash Bandicoot or Super Mario. So other than playing like the first like or one of the early Sonics, the first one with Knuckles and Tails in it, I think, was the one I played. Um, Yeah. But my first video game, I think, I remember getting a PlayStation 1. That's it, kid. That's right, kids. (laughs) PlayStation 4. PlayStations ago. I got and I got Crash Team Racing and Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, the the, the game of the film, my 
for my first game for like Christmas when whenever the Christmas after the film came out. So I think it was that. And if it wasn't that, it was definitely one of the first Pokemons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On Nintendo or on Game Boy. On Game Boy. On Game Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Game Boys, man. Wow. I remember we got one. I say we got one. My brother got one, but it was like the family Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, obsessed with it. He used to play Mario on that all the time. Mario. I was I, I was a big fan of Mario as well. I wasn't just Camp Sonic because I had the Sega stuff and then my sister had Nintendo and then my brother had all the PlayStation stuff. So we would sort of rotate, you know, Crash Bandicoot one day. <laughs> Uh, Mario the next. We had quite a good system. The, good th- the first Mario I had, or the first Mario you could get on Game Boy, was that that was that was a game when again you couldn't even save it. Yeah, like if wow, you didn't fi- if you work. didn't if you died or if you lost all your life, that was it. You just had to do it again, and that taught us not to get political. <laughs> that taught us perseverance. <laughs> And Pays hard work, <laughs> not just tell you what, kids, if you want this extra content, just pay for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to talking about this week's film. So, uh, we're talking about a film that I picked this week, which is uh, The Commitments from 1991. So, uh, spoiler warning if you didn't see that, just to give you a, a little bit of a, a background uh, on the film, uh, it centers on a group of um, kind of working class unemployed people in Dublin um, the main character of which is Jimmy Rabbit who has kind of big dreams of success decides to put together a band of all these fellow Dubliners to play soul music and hopefully kind of make it big as a band and the film just really follows them through their development and eventual demise as a soul a soul group so Alice um, had you seen this one no I hadn't seen this one so I was going in blind again which I always enjoy um, but I thought, um, yeah, I was really, really impressed. And I thought that there was some really sort of top quality elements to it. Um, I'm really intrigued to know why you picked this. So I picked this. Um, first of all, I think it is just generally great fun uh, with an amazing soundtrack, like one of my favourite soundtracks. This is a soundtrack that I legitimately listen to. Um, like it's like my favourite songs are on my Spotify playlist, if you like. Um, and I picked it because I believe that when it came out, it was quite a hit. I think it, like a lot of people I know of a certain age like this when it came out. And then I think it's kind of faded away. And I thought it's very much a film that's kind of worth a revisit because the messages in the film and the kind of um, the stuff in the film that's either still relevant and it's still very entertaining. So I guess I picked it because I think it's kind of underseen in that there's probably a fresh generation of people that I think should see this film because I think they would take a lot from it if only the amazing the amazing music oh certainly yeah yeah i agree even on just sort of first viewing as well i definitely get got that impact that you're talking about so what were some of your favorite things about this what are some of the key aspects that kind of really had you gripped so the main the main thing is the music and the, the performances where uh, the, the sequences where they perform the music i like the fact that it, it's kind of it's got the right balance between this raw sexy soul music and it's kind of very unpolished in places but at the same time the the band are playing their own music so it's not like a selection of music videos where they're just playing the covers of the songs there's a reason why they're playing the songs and it's quite as i say it's raw it's unpolished and it's never cheesy i like that i really like the direction so it's directed by um uh, uh, sir alan parker who unfortunately passed away in 2020 um 
and he's very well versed in the musical. He's done other films, a lot of. It's funny actually because it kind of captures the two things that he's really good at, which is he really likes doing musicals. So he did like Bugsy Malone, Evita. I think he did Fame as well, and he also did like Angela's Ashes, which obviously deals with people go like working class people dealing with strife and, and all the things that um, comes with it. And that's very much a mixture of these two films, of these of those two things. It's it's very much about a group a group of people who just kind of want to do something more with themselves. It's um, that really sort of desperate working class sort of attitude, isn't it? I think like you were saying about being able to relate to it, it's about be having that drive to just pull yourself out of the situation that you're in. Like Jimmy is just, he's, he's hell bent on it, isn't he? It's like, you know, we've got to get out of here. We've got to make something for ourselves. And it's kind of just making something out of this really desperate situation that they're in. Yeah, it's really summed up as well at the end where, um, obviously we'll come back to the other elements of the film, but at the end, so if you've not seen it again, I know I've already done it, but spoilers, the band actually don't really do anything. They just split up and it's about, they kind of get better and then there's people in it who aren't really musicians, there's other people in it who are musicians. And one of them is um, this supposedly really storied, experienced musician who says he's played with all the greats and there's this through line in the film about whether he is or isn't making that up so some of them think you know he's definitely playing with the Beatles and Elvis and he's he's, a, he's the trumpet player in the band and he talks about playing with all these great soul artists like Otis Redding, Sam Cooke uh, people like that and he says in it that he can get them a gig uh, or he can get uh, Wilson Pickett to come and see them if you don't know Wilson Pickett and he's, he's just another one of these massively successful soul artists so the, the, the film culminates in them playing a, a gig that supposedly afterwards, Wilson Pickett is going to come down and either see or jam with them and maybe that'll be, you know, their, their, their door into stardom. And all the way through, you don't know if this guy is, is full of shit or if, and it never really clears up if he is, um, which is, again, a joke that I really like. But at the end, when the band's all broken up and they've all gone off to do their different things, just before you get the kind of coda of the film where Jimmy, who's narrating it all the way through, tells you, where what they all want want to do because he does kind of narrate the film in the sense that the, the user device in it which I really like where it's him interviewing himself so he doesn't narrate to you the audience he narrates to himself usually in the bath or looking at himself in the mirror um about as, as if he's really successful and the band um are really successful and like what he did to get to become so successful anyway so the band have this big argument they all go off their separate ways and he kind of storms off and the trumpet player, who's the one who you think might have been bullshitting all the way through it, approaches him on his little moped, kind of says to him, you know, it doesn't really matter that we didn't do anything because what you did was you showed them all that something else was possible and you showed them all they could make something of themselves. And I just think that's a really a kind of really lovely message that it doesn't not so much the taking part that counts, but that idea of because you showed all these people who had kind of no hope that there is hope. I guess. Yeah, and it was like he saw something in them that no one else saw. Like the girls that he gets to come and sing for him, he's like, oh, I knew you when I used to sing in church or in choir, like back in the day and stuff. So it's like, it's bringing out, it's bringing out the best. I mean, sometimes it brings out the worst, you know, sort of a bit yeah. towards the end there where they're sort of really sort of having proper rows and really laying into each other. But it just get it gives them an opportunity to do something that they're really good at 
and to have people celebrate it and appreciate. And, you know, when they're playing the shows, it's like they always look like they're sold out. Everyone's always having a great time. Their parents are up dancing and clapping. And it was just sort of a really, a really kind of great feeling for them. So even though it didn't all work out happily in the end, he's given them that and maybe hope, you know, that that hope is important. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about the music. So I really like soul music. Again, that's one of the reasons why I really love the film. Do you do you like soul music? Is it your is it your sort of cup of tea? It's weird because I don't not like soul music, but I've never sought it out, I suppose. And I wouldn't really know where to go. Like I don't think I'd know who to pick. Like I'm sure I know soul, like my my parents, you know, love Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke, like you said. So there are bits of it there, but I, I don't think I'd be able to sort of accurately identify what soul is really. But I think that's just from my very sort of limited experience. No, you are right. The 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 kind of lines of the genre between like soul, R and B, funk, and like your Motown era are all quite blurred because they all happened quite, again, I believe, quite quickly. So they're all kind of within the same, quite like same, you know, the last um, fifty years or so. And I'm not a musician, so I don't know if there's any kind of musical difference in soul. But th- this film, so I do like soul music, and this film actually put me on to soul music. So I remember watching this. I don't know. I must have been a teenager or something like that. And and I'm really, really liking music. And I knew the classics from, like, you know, I knew Mustang Sally from, you know, discos and and family parties and um, and weddings and and that sort of thing. But then listening to the soundtrack, um, which I had on CD, now it made me go and kind of listen to other people. So that put me on to like Otis Redding. Sam Cooke, a little bit of Aretha Franklin, um, people like that. So, yeah, I do love soul music, but I was interested to know if if, if you did or if it, if it made you want to listen to any more because the songs that they do... So if you check out this, the soundtrack on Spotify, and I would urge anyone listening to this to check it out if you've got Spotify or any music streaming service, but there's uh, there's albums of music from the Commitments band on there because they treat they tre- the whole process like they were a real band. So... They recorded songs that aren't actually even in um, the musical. So, for example, Wilson Pickett did the, the, there's a very famous song that he did called Land of a Thousand Dancers, which you'd know because it starts with the famous count of like one, two, three, bam, one, two, three, bam. Oh, yeah. And then it does, it, and um, I think it's in the Full Monty. I think one of them dances to it in the Full Monty when he's auditioning to it. It's in loads and loads of stuff, but that's not in the film, but it's on the soundtrack of them doing it. And there's loads and loads of songs on there. It, just check it out on Spotify. It's really worth checking out. But I do think the music is, it's great. And the lead singer has a voice that's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, certainly agree. I think that was one of the things that maybe surprised me a little bit as well, is just how talented that they all were. But yeah, the lead singer obviously, you know, did did really stand out. There was just a lot of power, a lot of power to his voice, I felt. Have a guess. And you might already know this, so if you do, just say. Have a guess how old you think he is in the film. The actor. In the film? Yeah, the how actor. How old yeah. is he? Like, early, early 20s, probably, like 24. So he's, um, he's 18. Is he really? He was yeah. 17 when he was cast. So I believe the story goes that they, they wanted his dad to audition for a role, and yeah. he went with his dad somewhere, an audition or to, for a meeting, and someone heard him singing and gave him the part. His name's Andrew Strong, but he's toured with really massive artists as a supporting artist. I think he's toured with like Prince and people like that. So, um, 
but he's got this incredible voice. But I could not believe. I thought he was like in his thirties. Yeah, yeah, he looks he looks kind of worn a little bit, like he's already had a bit of a life. But I suppose maybe maybe that's what it was like growing up in Dublin in that time. Yeah, I mean, no offense, but yeah, that's a tough old paper round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What did you think of the kind of the way the the, the film balanced musical and comedy together? Like, did you find it funny? Uh, there were certainly, yes, yeah, certainly moments moments of humour. I thought a lot of it came from the brilliantly written script. So most of my notes I found by the end of it were just writing down a sentence that someone had said because the use of language was just so colourful. New ways to offend people, new ways to piss people off. Like uh, Some of it was remarkable. I've written some of my favourite ones down and they're ones that I thought sort of had a wider kind of point to them. One of them I really loved was if they had soul, men wouldn't be blowing each other's heads off. But I thought that was really lovely because it's just kind of really emphasising the importance of, of music and having that creative freedom, especially in a time which is quite harsh and that is really exposing you to a lot of the harshness of reality, like being poor, maybe not feeling safe all the time, not having opportunities ahead of you as you grow up. And just other, one other uh, moment that just, you know, when you just hear a phrase or you hear language and it sort of stops you in your tracks. So Jimmy's dad, I believe, calls him a malignant little bastard. And it was just so many things like this, like just using language so creatively and beautifully. And it was for every character, pretty much. Every character had great dialogue and every character had so much depth, I thought, as well. Yeah, there the, was one... the, they do a lot to develop characters that don't are because the band's massive it's not like a four-piece band the band's got like 10 people in it or something because it's got backup singers you know multiple guitar players and, and and multiple kind of brass um brass players and stuff so it you're right they do a lot to develop each character and that's where i think the script really shines in that it gives each character even if it's just a little inkling like a tiny backstory so like of the three um there's three backup singers in it and each of them gets like a little it's almost like it's a series of sketches and vignettes where you get to know their backstory. So like when they start rehearsing, it gives you like little glimpses into each of their lives. Like one of them is a piano player. He's training to be a GP, but he's also really, really Christian. And it shows him like going to a priest and going to confession and talking about how he's in this band and he's had lustful feelings for one of the backup singers and that he can't stop singing when a man loves a woman. And he goes, when a man loves a woman, bye. <laughs> by Marvin Gaye and the priest just goes Percy Sledge it was Percy Sledge that was like that and there's just loads of little like you say really great throwaway little lines and gags and like you say absolutely fantastic top notch swearing it may it's like that it's like um have you ever seen the thick of it it's like, uh I have, oh it's with um Capaldi yeah Capaldi. yeah, Mal, yeah. Capaldi's Mal, 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 there's just it's just an absolute barrage of absolutely top notch swearing in that and this is a little bit like that but no i like the way you get these little glimpses into their lives like for example one of the one of the backing singers bernie um stops coming to rehearsals and she stops coming to rehearsals because her dad isn't well i think and her mom is about to have a baby and she's the only child of of a big family that's old enough to earn any money so she has to go and earn money and it's literally a two three four minute scene where he goes to see her and goes you've not been coming to rehearsals and she goes this is why and then it's then she's just back in the band and there's no you could almost adapt this into a quite a good TV series where, you know, each character had their own reasons for being in the band. I think that'd be like, that's definitely something I've watched. I don't know about you, but 
no, I, I really like the script and, and and I like what the script actually was a lot funnier, like you say, with the with the gags than I remember it being like the first gig they do where they're absolutely shocking at the um Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The fundraiser, I think it is, for, her- for heroin addiction. And like heroin spelt wrong on the sign, so they change it. Like I had completely forgotten that, that was a gag, but it, I do think it's really funny. And considering they're all... There's not really any massive names in this. I think the most famous person in it is probably Cole Meany, who plays Jimmy's dad, who would have been known around the time of, of, of this of, uh, for Star Trek. But other than that, not many of them uh, were big at the time, as far as I know. I don't know. Do you know if any of them were? No, I d- didn't recognize any of the names, I don't think, on the credits, and none of the actors were familiar to me. No. No, but 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 they're all... You know, they all got great comic timing and they all do really well with the script, I think. Oh, yeah, certainly. Just a, a really, just a really great masterclass in world building, I think, as well. Sort of every prop, every costume decision, every location decision. There's one scene near the beginning where Jimmy has a sports bag full of videos and he hops on the bus to kind of sell these videos to the kids. And I just kind of really stood back and appreciated that scene. I was like, they didn't have to do that on a bus. He could have done that around the corner. They could have made that easier for themselves instead of filming that on a bus with all these kids all close together. And I just really appreciated stuff like that. Like you had shipping containers and stuff um, in people's sort of backyards and the green spaces <laughs> around their houses that the children were playing in. There were horses just Ho- loose. Yeah. Horse in uh, an apartment block. Yeah, yeah. For no reason. (laughs) Brilliant sort of uh, costume choices and hairstyles. You know, loads of kids rallying around on their BMXs and stuff. Just really great world building. And while this is all going on, 
you do get, it's quite a nice soundtrack. And most of the songs, not the ones that they're singing, but the sort of non-diegetic music, I suppose, that's happening. Uh, it's most of the time quite upbeat. But the scenes that you're seeing, you know, 1991 Dublin, it's 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 quite harsh, isn't it? It's quite It was quite a harsh environment, you know, I, I think. So it was just really interesting how how he struck that balance and how that made everything you were seeing more impactful. And it also made Jimmy's drive so much more believable and real. Like, I feel like you can really understand what he's feeling, what he's going through. And he gets a bit grouchy sometimes, and maybe he doesn't treat everyone as well as he should, but he's got this, this drive from somewhere that he feels like he needs to break out. And I feel like that's projected really well over the whole course of the film. You're absolutely right. And it, it does a, a thing that a lot of great kind of directors do, which is it builds that world without without spoon feeding it you. So that no point in it is that, you know, big, massive speeches about how poor they all are. It doesn't really hit you over the head with the message. So it doesn't patronize you as the audience. It shows you instead. It, it, it shows it doesn't tell. So you can see what sort of situation and what sort of conditions they're all having to deal with without it constantly reminding you. It's just that you can see it, like you say, from the streets and the, the kind of burnt out cars and the fact that they're all doing anything to scrape a living and the fact they're all working these jobs that they don't like doing just, just to make ends meet. And I really like that because when you couple that with the whole idea of the fact that they're doing soul music, it's like he says in the film, you know, soul is the kind of spirit of the workers. It's sex and it's, you know, it's, it's work. Sex in the it's sex in the factory. That's it. I think yeah, that's what he says. Isn't it? Yeah, it's sex in the factory. You're right. It really does. It builds that world really, really well. Did you have a um, Did you have a favorite song from from the film? Um, I just. I mean, I don't know. I so I wasn't super familiar with many of the songs, if any. So I wouldn't know which one to say. Like, oh yeah, this one. Like, I wouldn't know the name of it. But obviously, the fact is, the further that they go on, the better they get and the stronger their performances and stuff. So get when it gets towards the end, obviously that's like, you, you just feel like it, it just, it, I feel like it was so unexpected. I don't know why. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting them to be a bit of a gimmick or something. Like I said, I didn't really know much about the film and I thought it was going to be much more of a disaster than it really was. Oh, so but you didn't go in with high expectations? Would, not, not of the, like not high expectations of the film, but high expectations of the band that he was putting together. Like I wasn't sure kind of what was going to come up, like what's going to be a struggle, where's this going to come from? But the fact is that when they were on stage and they all flowed together, it was brilliant. And I felt like all their stage performances as well were filmed like music videos. You got like these really long lingering close-ups of the lead singer. And then you got one where like the three backup singers would be perfectly aligned. And I really loved that. And it was sort of, again, that's kind of adding a bit of glamour, I suppose, to this otherwise very grey, very dark landscape. I think you're right. I think if I was watching this now for the first time, I probably wouldn't expect it to be as polished in terms of how good they are at, at playing the music as they are. But I think if, if I could think of like a word to sum that up, it probably would be like, it's authentic, isn't it? So one moment or one sequence that I really did like was the montage, you know, when he puts the ad in the paper and then everybody starts turning up, like 
everybody. It's this massive sort of community event, isn't it? It's like, oh, you're going down for the audition at Jimmy's or whatever. And then it's just great to sort of hear the kind of music that he deems unworthy. So people will, you know, say when they were banned and he slams the door in their face or they'll be like, oh, my influence is a Bob Dylan. And he's like, okay. So he invites him across the threshold, but then he's rubbish and he's got to go as well. And it's great that he, he obviously really knows what he wants and he's unwilling to compromise, which I think is great. Yeah, it's your classic, like, expositional-type montage where he puts an ad in the paper and then every Tom, Dick and Harry start showing up whether they can or can't play an instrument. And you, know, you get people literally screaming in his face. And he's, he's got this question and he keeps asking them who your influence is. And like you say, they go through all these people and none of them are soul music, even though he's specified that it's soul music. It's like people being like, Depeche Mode. And it's like, no. And then... You Joan, too. Yeah, you too. Joan Baez, Joni Mitchell, yeah. all that. And it, it's just a really funny sequence. But then you slowly get, they start, what they start to do is they, they have a collection of people having the door slammed in the face. And then it's people slowly make their way into the house. And then it starts being weaved in and out of people who actually then do get into the band. So you do get a lot of really good comedy moments. Like there's a bit where <laughs> there's like some people in his house playing like classic Irish folk music. So his mum and his sisters are just Irish dancing in the background. And they don't, they're not even really in it. They've got like one scene, but in the background of their Irish dancing and, and he's just kind of got his head and his hands. And, um, but no, yeah, I thought that was really funny. That was a really, it was a really interesting way to show him putting the band together. But also, mm. like you say, the fact that it, it's very much got its, a, its own community at, at its heart of the kind of South Side Dubliners, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes, it just feels like such, such an event like nothing happens there. Like everybody's got time on their hands. And so everybody comes to audition. Great as well. You get a few of them. There'd be like four or five in a group sort of sat at the bottom of the stairs and that, and the dad's got to maneuver through them and stuff. And yeah, it's just like, ah, oh, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, was there anything you didn't like about the film? I don't really think there was, to be honest. There wasn't really anything for me to pick up on. I don't feel like there was any holes in the stories. Uh, I didn't feel like it sort of fell flat in any way. You know, I, I felt like I felt like I was engaged from start to finish. Um, why? What about you? Same as you, really. Not not really anything because I don't I don't want I, I always try we we always trying to give a balanced argument you know, don't we, in, in terms of if we didn't like it, we try and find something we didn't like, it, we did like, and vice versa. I'd say maybe it lost a little momentum. So it's, I, I think it's just under two hours. I think after the first hour, maybe a bit longer, it lost a slight bit of momentum and became a little bit repetitive in terms of just gig after gig after gig. But uh, that didn't, because I like the music so much, that didn't really take anything away uh, from the film for me. I was interested to know what you thought about the way the female characters were portrayed, because they are kind of portrayed as being a little gullible, kind of a little bit. Their whole function is to kind of look, be there, look pretty and be looked at by the men. They're also portrayed as being, I would say, a little bit over emotional and kind of they all start. They all there's a, there's a there's a through there's a joke in the film about them all being with the trumpet player, the guy we were talking about before, who um, is may or may not be full of shit. And there's a, there's a joke for the film that they all are with him at some point. Um, and then that eventually leads to a fight, which eventually leads to a bigger fight, which is why the band break up. And I was interested to know, because, I mean, the film is nearly 30 years old. Did you think there was an issue with that? Or is it just the fact that 
am I looking for something that's not really there? Or are the women kind of a little bit of a stereotype, I suppose? So I do think there might be slight elements of that. There was a couple of really voyeuristic moments as well. I think it's when they're all coming for practice at Joey's house. And you have to sort of, you go down to the bottom of the garden and then you climb over the ladder and then you climb down the other end and then that's where the practice is happening. And obviously as the girls are climbing down this ladder, all the lads are just like staring, like, you know, uh, slack jaw, just like properly gawking at them. And you get a lot of that and that does happen sort of quite a few times. Um, the storyline, the thing with Joey is, so how old are the ladies meant to be? I know you said then that the lead singer was, the actor himself was a teenager, but yeah, were but the female it never, it never really says. I always got the impression that the bulk of them are around the same age and they're all kind of early to mid-twenties, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. It never specifically says how old they are, but it mentions that a lot of them went to school together. Yeah, they so sort I, of knew. Yeah, so I would say, school, yeah. yeah, I would say early to mid mid twenties if I had to put a number on it. Yeah, yeah. So that it's you know it's not it's not really anything with Joey. It's like he's a musician. You know, the girls are kind of falling for that. You know, to go for a bit of an older man sort of thing. Even though he is full of shit, I feel like they know he's full of shit. But it's just, if you look at the other lads around them, sort of they still view them as quite immature and the mm. the lads sort of view them as a bit sort of, you know, stuck up or uptight or whatever yeah. just because they won't let them grab a booze or whatever. <laughs> but one thing I did like is in terms of the sort of language and the name calling, the girls really did start to give their own sort of towards the end. I think um, the lead singer at one point said... Uh, calls Bernie a slut, I think, and then she goes, it's like, piss off, you fat fuck, or something like that. Like, she so probably do... shoves him as well. Yeah, yeah. Probably shoves and, him at one point. And they are, you know, the, the, the girls, they are sort of, they are... I feel like the girls are sort of a bit streetwise and they're not, you know, completely, I don't feel like they're completely helpless and they are able to sort of make their own decisions and they do have their own life. Uh, but yeah, some of it a bit voyeuristic, I think. But I think yeah. you're right. I think it's a case of it's, a, they are a little bit voyeuristic. They do look at the girls, but at the same time, there are elements of in the way that they're all shown to be quite empowered, quite strong and quite, um, they give as good as they get, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. So I'm interested to know, Alice, what uh, what do you reckon? How do you reckon it did? Like roughly, did it was it good? Was it was it critically well received? So me myself personally, I would probably rate it quite high. I think there are so many really great qualities to it. The story building, like we've said, the use of the music and then using that on the backdrop and the locations and the situations that they're in. All the characters seem to have such depth. And they're all quite likable, even though they're all not sort of good and some of them, you know, display quite questionable behaviour. You do sort of feel connected to all of them. So I wonder if other people felt that too and would sort of rate accordingly. I think this would certainly deserve at least a high seven. I would probably give it a 7.9. So, yeah, so on IMDb, it gets a 7.6 out of 10. Okay, yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, now this is quite interesting actually, it gets from the audience 90% and from the critics it gets 89%. So, you know, 1% give or take, it's about the same. So in terms of its critical reception, do you think that's fair? Is it overrated? Is it underrated? 
I would say that's appropriately rated. I so, think it is. It is a a good film. It really is a good film. I agree. So I think it's. I think that is about right. I think it's a great film. Really feel good. Really well directed and incredible soundtrack. So for me, that is appropriately rated. But obviously, I picked it because it's underseen. So is it underseen? Well, I hadn't seen it and I hadn't heard of it. So I would say yes. So there you go. So there we go. Another one for the underseen pile. So get out there and see it. <laughs> the commitments. Um, Make it seen. Yeah. <laughs> Shall be so. <laughs> um, please do get in touch. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd like to possibly do an episode on a film you would like to pick for us. So if you've got one you want us to do, then tweet at us at films underscore that or get in touch with us, Films and That Pod, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, or the email is filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Please do get in touch with us. We'd love to do, We'd love to hear from you if you think there's a film you would like us to do, um, or if there's uh, an opinion you want us to read out about of one we've done, then feel free. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Until then, Alice, thanks very much for joining me. No problem at all, Josh. Pleasure as always. And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.